RPC Radio. Radio. Hello, you're listening to Insurance Covered. Welcome to the podcast that covers anything and everything to do with insurance. Coming up in this episode. I think we attract some great people. Every time I meet young people in the market, I feel I feel really encouraged about what the future of our market will look like. They are energetic, they are thoughtful, they are articulate. And so when I look at them, I think if this is the future of the London market, I feel really encouraged by that. My name is Peter Mansfield. I'm a partner of the law firm RPC. And in each episode, we discuss an aspect of the wonderful world of insurance. And this week, well, this week is a bit different because... It is our very first insurance-covered special. I know, exciting. And our topic for this special episode is insurance recruitment. Because the insurance market in London is currently facing a substantial recruitment problem. This is William Gallimore, UK Managing Director of HFG Insurance Recruitment. I think the war for talent is... Probably post-Covid, I've never seen the market as busy as it is. Everyone is hiring, whether it's large syndicates, small syndicates, whether it's startups, whether it's MGAs, whether it's brokers, whether it's consultants, everyone's hiring. And everyone, for one reason or another, wants the same talent. So I think it's there's no one reason why there's a war for talent, but you put them all together and there's just a shortage of good people in insurance. But the problem extends beyond a mere shortage of good people because, well, let me hand over at this point to Caroline Wagstaff, Chief Executive Officer at London Market Group. So as part of our London Matters research, which we started in 2014, we've been, we track various demographic trends in, in, in the London market by, by collecting data from brokers and company markets and from the Lloyd syndicates. And... It inevitably tells you that the market is older than we would like it to be. So there are more people over 50 than there are under 30. Of course, a slightly older demographic is not necessarily a bad thing. Whilst I accept that I have a degree of self-interest on this topic, one could argue that it speaks of experience and wisdom and years of accumulated knowledge. And, And all of that is true, of course. But the problem is that the average age of the market is increasing. Here's Ben Bolton, Managing Director of Grace Church Consulting. Between 2017 and 2022, there was a 27% increase in the over 50s um, in in the London market. At the same time, there was a 29% decrease in the 25 to 34 year old age groups, so not quite the youngest age group, because there's so few of those it's hardly worth mentioning. But the, the second group up, 29% decrease. And perhaps most importantly, there was a, for the market and performances, a, there was a 29% decrease in the 35 to 49. So if you take the middle and the top, the middle-aged group and the older group, if you like, inevitably the, the older group is going to retire. There is going to be a lot of turnover in that group, and that seems to be um, happening. So what's happened is everything's kind of shuffled up, if you like, through that five, um, six, seven year period. And we've got a lot more over 50s who will retire, have to retire at some point. Um, 
and quite a lot fewer, really substantially fewer, in that 35 to 49. So what that really means is you've got potentially a, an experience deficit coming through into the market. And at the same time, you haven't really got that younger group coming through. But even if you had that younger group coming through, it would take some time you know, to build that experience. So I think that's quite telling and it's a problem for the market. It is indeed a problem. And some might even go so far as to say that it is a crisis. But Ben Bolton does not go quite that far. Whether it's a crisis, I don't know. It's certainly a short-term issue. It's certainly a short to medium-term big problem for the market because of this suck out, if you like, of these experienced people. So it's going to get worse, if you like, before it gets better. So um, I won't quite go as far as to call it a crisis. It's a slowly unfurling big problem. And according to Samantha Ridgewell... Managing Director of Empowered Development, it is a big problem that still has quite a lot of unfurling ahead of it. The big question is, how do we make sure this doesn't get any worse in five years? Because at the moment, I can, I can only see this getting worse. If we're not bringing in more people, how are we going to have enough people to replace those individuals that are due to be retiring in the next 10, 15 years? And um, there's been great research done on this. The LMG have done a lot of research on this. People people know that within their own workforce, you can see that in 10 years' time, people who sit and hold all that information are going to be leaving. And that's inevitable. We always have that. But what we don't have now is the same pace of people coming in and learning from each other. So that n- gap in knowledge is going to get considerably worse. Caroline Wagstaff echoes this concern. Her view is that this increasing gap in knowledge creates two business risks. The first is that we have a retirement cliff coming up. I think in some areas of expertise, that's that's quite severe. So I think in claims, for example, you will see that quite a lot of that expertise, quite a lot of that really deep knowledge about how you deal with a, a catastrophe, how you deal with a natural disaster, you know, is getting close to retirement age. Um, but secondly, it means if we're not bringing in more young people, one, we've got a smaller pool of talent to distribute across market firms? And secondly, are we getting the right skills in place? Are we getting the digital skills that we need? Are we getting the kind of international mix of people if you're dealing with a global marketplace? So that's the data point that concerns me. More people over 50 than under 30. When viewed in these terms, the solution would appear to be obvious. You need to get more graduates into the system. If there is a shortage of good people in the market and if the market itself is getting older and it's edging towards a retirement cliff, the only logical answer is recruit from outside the current market and in particular, recruit the next generation of graduates and school leavers. But Ben Bolton suspects that, in fact, a different strategy has been adopted. OK, so my suspicion is that there, was, there wasn't as much recruiting of that younger age group and there's been a lot of internal market recruiting, so shuffling people around, if you like, lateral hires, you call them in the legal market, but similar, you know, similar process going on there. So there was quite a lot of movement through the period and particularly just towards the end of COVID when people, you know, had been sort of locked down and wanted to move. So I think there's all that. I don't think the group, I don't think the overall cohort has grown very much. So it's just got a bit older. William Gallimore agrees. Yes, yeah, so how much how much is just moving people round around the market versus bringing new talent in? I think it's still quite heavily focused on 
actually, can we steal someone from our competitor next door? Um, and that still happens quite a lot. So if Ben and William are correct, the focus has perhaps been too much on internal recruitment within the market. And as a consequence, Caroline Wagstar believes that there has been less focus on the recruitment of graduates and school leavers. So just to give you a few data points, the London market as a whole takes about 1,500 young people every year. That's about as many as EY takes in a single year. So first of all, my challenge would be, are we recruiting enough young people? You know, I don't know if the answer is 2,500, 3,000, but I think it needs to be a higher number. The second thing you need to understand is that 50% of those young people go to the top three breaking firms. So what we've got is a small number of firms recruiting at scale. And then you've got a very long tail of small to medium-sized businesses who are recruiting in single digits. In some respects, of course, it could be argued that this approach is understandable. It is time-consuming to train someone and the financial investment is high. If that person leaves shortly after the completion of their training, then it is easy for businesses to conclude that their investment time and their money has been wasted. However, Samantha Ridgewell believes that this type of thinking needs to change. Um, There's a lovely quote I remember in HR being taught, which is the finance director might say, what happens if we train all these people and they leave? And the HR director says, what happens if we don't and they stay? And I think for us as an industry, we were so focused on, well, these people might leave. Um, how are we going to manage that? That we aren't able to work collectively to come up with solutions to train people from a market point of view. If we, if we are creating and developing enough of our own talent, there will be enough to go around. But if we are all just looking over our shoulder, who else can do it for us? Um, or holding back because we're fearful of investing and, and not getting the return, then I think it is a race to the bottom. If it is correct that there is a race to the bottom, then that is a trend that will have to be reversed. The market will have to find ways to attract new recruits into insurance. Ben Bolton agrees that part of the solution lies with market-wide initiatives. I think there has to be a strong commitment in Lloyd's and other areas to not just produce some kind of tick box numbers around culture and things like that to keep everybody happy. I think there need to be more initiatives really around attracting more women into the market. And I think we need statistics to show more clearly. They, Lloyd's has just produced some good stats on leadership where they've said that these are the businesses that have done a good job on it. And I think that's a start. I think we should do more on that. I think it should be more transparent as to who's doing it and who isn't, because it's changing very slowly. That's what the data's saying. It's just really not changing fast enough. But alongside the market initiatives, Ben believes the responsibility ultimately lies with individual businesses. And if you know Ben, you will not be surprised to hear that he links it to brand. I think there needs to be kind of innovation, if you like, in the brands themselves in terms of attracting talent. And... Some businesses have shown they can do that, but I think somehow the the chief execs and people have to get onto that too. I don't think they can leave it up to a market-wide thing to, to change that. So businesses that have built quite what you might call cool, buzzy, dynamic brands 
feel innovative and they attract people. So I would say, why not have more of those? Why not just encourage more and more of those and less of the boring old institutional machines? For William Gallimore, brand is also an important factor. As an insurance recruiter, it is something he pays close attention to and uses as a selling point to potential recruits. So when we're recruiting, we like to really try and get into the detail and we like to go to the office, we like to meet the people that we're recruiting for because then you get a feel for the culture, how the business runs and that when we're then selling the business, we're effectively like their marketing arm that we can actually tell people what it's like, what the business is like. You're not just sending them a job spec, which is just a piece of paper. You're actually able to paint a proper picture for people. So I think brand is is so important when it comes to recruitment. So brand and culture are important when attracting people into the insurance market. But for Samantha Ridgewell, there is one fundamental issue that should not be overlooked. Money. There's one thing we don't talk about enough in insurance. We are very modest. Um, we don't talk about the fact that we earn good money. And I think when you look across the city, everyone knows lawyers earn good money. Everyone knows bankers earn good money. And that we just don't have that same view in insurance. William Gallimore agrees. And in addition, he points out that the hours in insurance also tend to be fairly reasonable. I think, how does pay compare with banking? I think it's pay, people in insurance are well paid controversially maybe overpaid which you don't put that in so i think insurance has got that lovely it's that lovely industry where yeah everyone works hard and we work long hours but it's not banking hours it's not ridiculous hours people aren't at the desk all the time they're not working weekends so i think you've got to have that trade that you've got to have a life and you've, you've got to have a bit of time to spend your money but Insurance on the whole, I, I believe it pays very well. Caroline Wagstaff shares that view. We need to tell them that it's that it's a well-paid job. You know, if I ever see the phrase, you know, competitive market salary, it makes me grind my teeth. Young people don't know what that means. Put a number on it. So we need to tell people that it's well-paid. We need to tell them that it's great life-work balance. I mean, when was the last time anyone pulled an all-nighter? But one thing that no one seems to contest is that insurance has an image problem and that the positive reality of life within insurance is very different from the negative image of insurance from the outside. William Gallimore. So I think the perception of insurance just isn't the way it is. It, it can be changed. It should be different. Um, and also it's, it's just a lovely, and I find it a lovely industry. I've been in here nearly 20 years. The people are great. There's on the whole low egos people love helping people are fascinating um but it's it's just different every day is different and so i think i think that is what insurance is for me is just interesting people talking about interesting things which i'm not sure you can get in other industries i think it's quite unique to insurance and for caroline wagstar it is this perception gap the fact that the commonly held perception of insurance bears no relationship with reality that is the crux of the problem. And she places the blame for that perception gap squarely on the shoulders of the insurance market. I think you can boil down this entire debate into one single fact. And that is that this market has never gone out and told its story 
about why it's a great place to work. But the very basic point is that up until very recently, we have never made an effort to tell people that there is a great industry which offers fantastic careers in which young people can come and work. And without us telling that story, why on earth should anyone ever find out about us? And that's why we're in the pickle we're in. Because if we don't tell that story and we don't tell it in a compelling way, it really doesn't matter what a great employer you are because nobody will ever find you. Ben Bolton agrees. Indeed, in his opinion, it goes even further than insurance not telling a story. In his opinion, when insurance does send out a message, it tends to be the wrong message. You know, you can't have two stories running at the same time, which is we're here to enable business, enable them to pr- prosper, and then at the same time say we won't, you know, one business you're fighting a court case over claims, right? I think you've, you've got to be very careful about the message the industry puts out. You know, sometimes we're our own worst enemy. I think, you know, programs like Claimed and Shamed and the, the latest fraud programs, and I have to say lawyers get in on this one as well a bit, you know, the whole thing. Well, I don't, and I don't necessarily blame lawyers, but I, I do think that sometimes we celebrate the catching the, the fraudster more than we celebrate paying the great claim that helped the business to get back on its feet. You know, we, we, it's, and that again is that kind of old-fashioned view that, you know, oh, we're proven right. You know, it's defensive and it's, um, it's not forward-thinking. And for Ben, the responsibility for changing this narrative starts with leadership. My other bugbear as well is, is leadership. So I don't think that many of the leaders in the market have really either trained up or worked out what their message is to the external world. Most of the speeches I see from chief execs are about rate and financials and how they will take advantage or not of rate and financials. And it's, it, to me, that's the most incredibly self-serving issue and again it's one of these old-fashioned things it's you know i mean i don't think even the oil industry does this anymore um to say that it's fantastic opec have just taken a decision and we've all decided we can put the price of oil up you know i mean i think they're at least even they are sensitive and careful about this stuff but we seem to have this constant addiction to talking about how rate is fantastic and you know people aren't fools they will work out that you know we are really saying you know, cats can raise the rate and make us more money. And we've got to be very careful about that. We've had problems with it in the past. So let's move on to possibly the most important question in the whole of this episode. What is the story that we should be telling? Why precisely should graduates, school leavers, or indeed anyone else choose to start a career in insurance? Samantha Ridgewell. All we sell in insurance is a promise. We're just promising to do something, which means fundamentally trust has to be at the heart of that. And that kind of culture of trust and relationships is what I think breeds the nice culture and attracts nice people into our industry. So the culture within insurance is strong, but Samantha emphasises that there is also flexibility within an insurance career and multiple opportunities to progress. One of the joys of this market is there are so many career options available and the skills that you develop in one of them become very transferable to others. So as much as we still have a lot of people who go up the proverbial career ladder, progressing from assistant underwriter to underwriter and so on, there is also options for people to move over to broken or claims or from exposure management into other areas. 
And I think that's very attractive now for um, younger generations who are maybe starting out careers, less kind of committed to one road, but wanting to know that there's options in there as well. Caroline Wagstaff expands upon this. Well, I think I think there are four key components to telling the story. The first is you have to get over the first. You have to just tell them the industry exists and what it does and the good it does. And it does speak to a uh, a desire by people to work for, you know, businesses with purpose and industries with purpose. Uh, and I think, you know, insurance puts people's lives back together. And it puts businesses back on their feet. It helps communities in, in, in times of need. So we need to tell them what the industry does. We need to tell them about the different roles that are available. We do, if we talk at all, we tend to be a bit focused on underwriting and broking. There are lots and lots of other exciting roles within the industry. So I think we need to do a better job at shining a spotlight on on what those roles do and explaining them in a way that young people will understand. So the pay is good. The hours are reasonable. The culture is strong. The opportunities for career progression are excellent. Plus, it is an industry that has social purpose at its core. Insurance has a compelling sales pitch. So how do we get that message out there? Caroline Wagstaff. But the fantastic thing about the modern world is we have digital. We have digital channels in which young people spend time where you can get over messages if they're in the right format and they're done properly and they seem authentic. And so on top of other things you might want to do, we have those opportunities. And that, I think, is really, really important for us all to understand and not be afraid of them. We need to embrace, you know, the modern channels that are available to us. Samantha Ridgewell. But then also where the wider audience is, is on TikTok. So we've got around 25,000 followers on TikTok. And the page is really all about getting the insights, the interest and the humor that we can have in insurance out to a, a wider public. So my thing's kind of always been that I think we're really good at putting things on websites and having opportunities available but we almost assume that people are going to know where to look for them and kind of looking for them. We need to go out to young people. And I used to do that with career fairs, um, university and so on. Uh, and, and I know I, there's often people say that we should do more of that. In my experience, though, time spent, cost spent versus reward, I didn't find it effective. I'd have to travel, uh, go to Exeter, for example. You've got a day in Exeter. You've got the travel there, the travel back. And when you turn up with your stand and... You say you work in insurance. It's just heartbreaking to see these cues of these brands that people know that I don't think are going to offer anything like an exciting um, or prosperous career as we can offer because they're a recognized brand. They're so busy and we're there all putting all that time in and we, we just weren't getting the interest. So my thing was always more, how do we get them interested so they do turn up? And TikTok's really allowed that opportunity because you know, young people are on TikTok. And as they're scrolling, the algorithm is going to show them things that thinks they want to see. So if some students are interested, because I'm talking about a career that you can do with a geography degree, then the algorithm is going to very quickly work out that, well, this geography student over here might be interested in that too. Oh, and they watched it. So let me give it to 10 more. Oh, they all watched it. I'm going to give it to 10,000 more. And before you know it, you've got thousands of people watching a video. And according to Samantha, the types of video that are successful are usually the ones that take a creative or tangential approach to the topic. 
My most popular TikTok um, was one about whether or not Lloyds could accurately predict the winner of the World Cup. So Lloyds do a uh, event before the World Cup. They've done this, I think, three for the last three in a row, where based on the insurability of each footballer, they work out for each team the odds of them winning in the group stages, therefore who goes through, who goes through at which stage, and then who comes through to be the ultimate winner. That video, I think, got about 700,000 views um, and then picked up people following to see what happened game after game. Caroline Wagstart's experience is similar. We've made some great films with young people, which I really would recommend people go and look at, which are on the website, which really make you appreciate the diversity of talent in the market, you know, where people have come from, things that they're doing, their journey. You know, we've got five or six of them looking at, you know, someone talking about they didn't become a professional rugby player, but they're now in sports insurance. We've got, you know, another young man who's doing, his family left Pakistan when he was a baby and now he's, a you know, working in renewables insurance, you know, and he's had to drop out of university twice. We've got literally space cadets doing, you know, space stuff. It, you know, we've really tried to bring out the best because as you say, there's, we've got nothing to apologise for. People love this industry when they're in it. We just need to tell the story better and, well, just tell it and tell it as well as we can. So social media is one means by which the insurance market can creatively and imaginatively reach a wider audience of potential recruits. But both Caroline and Samantha agree that there is an even more powerful way to spread the message. The thing that I really think we need to do that I think is a, would be a game changer is harness the power of the young people in the market. Because it's great that I post something and get you know views or whatever. But to be frank, my network is a bit like me, and that's not as young as we used to be. Um, if I, you know, if I could harness everyone between the age of, you know, twenty-two and thirty-two in the market and say, repost our material, post it on your channels, go talk about your career, the power of that would be extraordinary. I often get asked from individuals what they can do to help so companies are trying to strategically improve this but as an individual what can you do about it now for me there's there's really one important thing and that is tell people about your career and your story when someone asks what you do tell them you work in insurance don't say you work in finance or you work in the city tell them it's insurance because people won't otherwise put that together you've got the opportunity to show people for your own passion and your own success that these opportunities are available to them and to go wider than that outside of the people you know if people want to turn up on TikTok post their day in the lives post their business trips all of that type of thing just to make it really transparent what options we have in our careers and put some real faces to to job titles then please do and always send me your stuff I'm very happy to reshare it and tag people so so that kind of reach can go a lot wider uh, because the more we individually share how much we love our jobs with people the, the more impact we can make on this episode so far we have explained why insurance can provide a fulfilling and rewarding career we have discussed the type of story that insurance should be sharing and we have talked about the ways in which that narrative can be shared but all of that is for naught unless there are easy entrance routes for graduates and others who are looking to join the insurance market so if someone is listening to this and wants to look further how do they do that? Samantha Ridgewell of Empower Development. So 
we have a group on LinkedIn that is a closed group. Anyone can join it. It's just closed because if people think I already post too much on LinkedIn, they, they really don't want to see how often I post in that group. Um, but really any any job I see that's an entry role or work experience or anything like that, I just post them in there so then the audience of that group can just see and access everything that I can see. Um, we actually just hit a thousand members in that group today. Uh, I, the majority of those are absolutely job seekers. So we've certainly got very captive audience of people looking um, that's in the hundreds in there. And according to Caroline Wagstaff, the aim must be to increase the size of that audience even further which is why the London Market Group organises events for students whilst they are still at school. So a lot of what we've been trying to do is we're trying to build a wider, deeper pool of talent into which companies can come and fish. And that was the thinking behind doing our schools programme in the summer, which was one firm can probably have a relationship with one school and maybe talk to two to five students and maybe take a couple of them in for a summer programme. We took 120 collectively. That's a big move. And next year, we're going to take 150. We're taking another 60 in October. We can do this collectively, or we can help those small to medium-sized businesses to think about how they hire in a more diverse, more inclusive way. And that should be good for, for everybody in the industry. And most importantly of all, Caroline believes that these initiatives are beginning to work. I think we attract some great people. Every time I meet young people in the market, I feel I feel really encouraged about what the future of our market will look like. They are energetic. They are thoughtful. They are articulate. You look at a group of young people, there's a much better gender mix. There's much better ethnicity mix. And so when I look at them, I think if this is the future of the London market, I feel really encouraged by that. William Gallimore shares this opinion. Our young people, I, th- I think... Um... Yeah, I think young people are attracted to insurance. I think once you tell them a bit about it, we, even when I interview people uh, to come and work with us and I just tell them a little bit about what we recruit into, insurance is amazing. This, what they actually insure is fascinating and how an insurance firm works is incredible. So I think once you educate them a little bit, and there's not enough of it, I think insurers could be going to universities or could be more advertising and marketing and business development done around it because... As you know, it it is fascinating once you actually tell people about it. And once you see the Lloyd's market and you see what's going on and the hustle and the bustle and you see the Lloyd's floor and you see the, the Lutine Bell and you actually understand a bit about the history, it's bonkers. It's, I find it's amazing. I, I could spend all day in there just soaking in some of the history and talking to people. Um, so I think insurance has got to do better. It's got to do better educating the world on actually what insurance is. Samantha agrees, and in her opinion, insurers can play a very practical role in that process of educating the world by offering insight days. Because if you imagine you've never been in an office in your life, and then you turn up outside the walkie-talkie for your job interview, and you're going in to be interviewed by people twice your age in quite you know an intimidating building on the, the face of it, that's massively outside your comfort zone. That's going to be quite hard for you as a job-seeking process. But if you've been in that building before or one similar to it, if you've attended an insight day and you've realized that these people, even though they're a bit older than you, are perfectly friendly, perfectly laid back, then your mindset as you walk in will be so much more sort of positive um, and you'll do a better job on the day. So I think we have to open our doors as regularly as we can 
whether those are for short events, even just an hour, just the confidence of people walking into a building beforehand goes a really long way. Before we finish this episode, I want to share my own story. Because like so many of my guests on Insurance Covered, I stumbled into insurance. I studied law at university and vaguely knew that I wanted to start my legal career in the city of London. So I applied to a company commercial firm called Cameron Markby. By the time I had arrived, though, the firm had become Cameron Markby Hewitt, having merged with a specialist insurance firm called Hewitt Woolacott and Chown. My first seat as a trainee was in the insurance department, and I knew within a week or two that this was where I wanted to be. It felt like home. I stumbled through the back of the wardrobe and found myself in insurance. And that is the story of so many people in insurance. So I want to thank my guests in this episode, Caroline Wagstar, Samantha Ridgewell, William Gallimore and Ben Bolton, for explaining why insurance can and should be a career of choice. If you're listening to this and you're thinking about whether or not you should start a career in insurance, I will leave you with the words of Caroline and William. Because they get to be in an industry where they will always be learning, they will be well paid, there will be international travel, and every day something happens in the world which touches insurance. And there are very, very few industries where you can say that. And I think it has the interest, it has the remuneration, it has the community, and it has the social good. Yeah, so, so why should you come into the insurance market and join as a career? I think it's just full of wonderful people, interesting people. Pe- people, for me, is everything. It's very unique. It's exciting. It's it's just different. The stuff that happens in insurance is... You, you can't replicate it anywhere else. It's incredible. You can progress quickly in insurance. But you're seeing different things every day, meeting new people... And insurance touches everyone's lives somehow, one way or another. I think it's one of those things. People should give it a go and spend a bit of time looking into the insurance world because it's just not what it seems from the outside. RPC Radio. Radio. Thank you so much for listening to Insurance Covered, which is an RPC production made possible by Joe Burgess and Mary Mitchell. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will also love our other podcasts, Taxing Matters and Money Covered, plus The Fix, which is co-hosted by my colleague Kelly Thompson. If you want to be a guest on Insurance Covered, please email me at peter.mansfield at rpc.co.uk. Thank you, and I hope you have a great day.